0: Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Monday, November 14th, 2022. I'm John Podhorts, the editor of Commentary Magazine. With me as always, executive editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Media commentary columnist and American Enterprise Institute fellow, Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. And associate editor and author of The Rise of the New Puritans, Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. Well, we had a fantastic night last night here in New York. Uh, We had our 12th annual not quite annual because we missed the pandemic year, but um, 12th roast for Barry Weiss, uh, honoring and making fun of Barry Weiss. Uh, it was a wildly crowded event. Uh, we had almost 500 people, and a uh, good time seemed to be had by all. And I want to thank everybody who came, everybody who contributed. Uh, it's the most successful fundraising event in our history and i want to thank Barry for uh, uh agreeing to be uh, the victim of the night uh for a good cause um and it uh next we'll do we'll have another one next year and i will again give our listeners uh the opportunity to join us and then you will actually know what goes on behind closed doors because it is off the record and uh and uh you got to be there to experience the joy, the tears, the, the laughs, the sorrows, the crushing morosity, and the irrational exuberance of the commentary roast. Uh, we were all there, and uh, now it's back to ordinary life, if you can call what has been going on over the last week and over the weekend ordinary. So, of course, the overhanging question is the midterm results and the fact that we still don't know whether uh, it looks like Republicans will end up with control of the House of Representatives, but by one or two votes. and um it's an interesting thing about there was not a day in the in this Congress, you know, which is what we call this is, I don't know, the hundred and nineteenth Congress, like every two years you have a different Congress. So you say this this Congress that started in, tw- in January 2019, there's been, not been a day in which there have been four hundred and thirty five serving members of the Congress. So what that means is that,, um, you know, if you have to call a vote and Republicans need two hundred and nineteen votes and somebody has the flu, got stuck at home in their home district because they're, because, you know, they had to have, you know, their appendix taken out or something like that. And that legislation is scheduled and isn't postponed or whatever. Then the legislation will fail (laughs) because they need all 218 218 votes or something like that. And the Democrats now also be true that the Democrats are sick, but like having a margin of one or two means that you control committees and you control the schedule but it provides you with absolutely no guarantee that at any given moment you will be able to summon a vote to pass something that you want. Now, of course, Republicans don't have to pass things that they want because there's nothing that they want to pass that Biden will actually sign into law or that the newly Democratic Senate uh, is continually continuing Democratic Senate, but which which is, of course, was the main event of this last three days is that the Democrats retain control of the Senate. Um, so there's not much that they would want to do, but nonetheless, it is, you know, uh, it is as close to being a repudiation of the Repub- Republican Party's claims to being, I mean, it's it's a vote, it's, it's the narrowest vote for divided government we will have ever seen. Because if it's a vote for a divided government nationally, uh, you know, the effect, net effect is that Republicans will have gained six seats or something like that.
1: I mean that's skipping way into the future. Like we don't even know if they're going to have a majority. If they have a majority, it's like two twenty, <laughs> if they're fortunate, and that's that's not guaranteed. the The fight that seems to be materializing now is is over leadership. Yeah, you but gotta, who cares? Ultimately, oh, 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 oh no, no, no. We all have to care. No, we don't. This have is to. the proxy. This is the proxy fight. This is if you watch what's yeah. going on in the background. It's not even in the background. It's it's out in the open. They're not. They're. Uh, Heritage and half a dozen leaders are calling for delays in leadership elections, which aren't going to happen, but it's a play to uh, get as much support for Donald Trump on the record now as possible, getting uh, Stefanik to declare, getting Jason Miller out there saying if any, you know, you need Jim Banks on leadership or you're not going to have leadership. They're trying to force people to to bend the knee now at, at this moment of abject weakness so that they can mount a comeback the pro trump forces can mount a comeback
2: and and that right. that's going to that's going to comport with him announcing probably tomorrow that he's going to run again i i'm with Noah. i actually think the leadership race for those of us who follow politics is very important to watch and kevin mccarthy is not something it cannot be described as a leader in any way shape or form they this is going to cause a lot of problems for the gop but i i do think the broader message what what you're saying john about the narrow mi- narrow majority is exactly the voters were holding their nose and voting. Even when they voted for Republicans, they weren't doing it with any sort of enthusiasm. And those independent voters that Republicans really need to sway in the next election and needed to sway in this election and didn't, Those those folks are still up. They're going to be really up for grabs again. They were not enthusiastic about a lot of the Democratic candidates either. But the GOP needs to this. This really is the next year and a half in particular, a crucial moment for the GOP in determining
1: whether those people will be gone forever. It's not because Republicans didn't get the message of this election. It's because they did get the message of this election. And there is a rear guard action to prevent them from internalizing those lessons. Right. Okay. so
0: I want to make my case for why it doesn't matter and who cares. Uh, Because all of this is logistical and it's interestingly organizational and it's behind the scenes this and it's that the other thing. So Kevin McCarthy is, you know, as close to being a Trump politician as there is, there doesn't seem there isn't much stomach. I I mean, with the exception of Ukraine as a as an issue and i don't really think ukraine will be an issue cuz there'll be enough republicans who will have a free hand to vote with democrats to continue funding ukraine even if there is a kind of isolationist weird isolationist frenzy that keeps growing on the right about this i don't know that in policy terms it matters one lousy cent who who which republican hack who wants to be in leadership or run committee who is doing that in over the next two years, this is not where the fight is. It doesn't matter what the house is going to do. It does not matter what the house is going to do. I mean, maybe it matters if they want to try to, if they want to, we're talking <laughs> about the house. They, yeah. yeah.
2: They can do stupid things that turn off independent voters further so that in two uh, years, they're not
1: just house. It's also Senate. And this is all happening on autopilot. This coup, this palace coup against Mitch McConnell was in the works
0: yeah, but who and knows also, but there, is anyway. there there isn't a single senator. I mean, maybe there's Josh. Haw- there isn't. There is no coup. What there is is a lot of people yammering on Twitter, and you know, saying we need to put. You know, there's there's yammering on Twitter. I mean, but it's also does it, somebody actually want to be Senate Majority Minority Leader? Tell me who that is.
1: Right, because John
0: God. Thune is not going to stand for the majority leadership against McConnell. And it also doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I understand you're saying this is all a proxy fight for 2024. Voters are going. Republican primary voters
1: well, I, are going to decide I, yeah, 2024. I agree, I agree with you. Policy doesn't matter, but we're not talking about policy, right?
3: right it's, it's, it's
1: the no the, the, policy matters. Who
0: these? Who these deck chair? Who is sitting in these deck chairs after this Titanic of an election? That doesn't. matter. This wasn't a policy election.
3: Yeah, it's 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 yes, the nature it it's the nature of the party that that's that's on the line. That's what okay. I, so I the
0: question: there are different parties, though. That's part of the point. There is a congressional party, and then there is a grassroots party. There there are local, there are state parties. There are different events. There's a lot of cross currents going on here. What where I think you're right, Noah, is the question of what message you're saying. Republicans in Washington have gotten the message that this was a rejectionist election about Trump, Trumpism, election denial, January sixth, and what they're trying to do is, in spite of that, solidify their standing before it sort of becomes clear to people that they have to get get thrown out. I, I sort of I sort of accept that, but if in fact they need to be thrown out, or you know, Trump needs to be kind of extirpated from. From the Republican Party and his people need to be extra. It will happen whether or not the leadership is what the leadership is. Nobody is going to care what minority Republicans say, except I think in in uh, in Christine's case, except if they say crazy s, right? That no. then they hand news or launch to investigations
2: people. of the Biden administration that are unnecessary or futile or just you know grants yeah. for grandstanding purposes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and and it won't be that easy
0: for them. Again, I point I point out to you that with a major, you know, with no majority whatsoever, practically um, the idea that they can run these things efficiently, that they can run some, you know, let's go to the craziest thing like they're going to impeach Biden. Great. Congratulations. Why don't you impeach Biden with a Democratic Senate like that? That's really spectacular. I I just think that we are any effort that is being made here organizationally by Trump forces to control things. They're incompetent. They don't know what they're doing. That's what we learned about this election. We have a party so enthralled to this, you know, amateurish lunatic that they bought into the idea that people shouldn't vote before election day and like didn't accept in a place like Florida where. Uh, even in 2020 it was made clear that you could vote before election day and you weren't some sort of disloyal communist who was enthralled to venezuelan voting machines um you know that it was okay to do that so they don't know how to do this they stink at politics these trump people are lousy at politics they're in, the only interesting thing that they want to do as far as i can tell is change the rules so that at any moment House rule so that at any moment, if Kevin McCarthy displeases two people, he can be thrown out as Speaker of the House. That is there there's a there's a a way they can call a you know, they can I can't remember what it's called, but they can call essentially a vote, a no a vote of no confidence in in, you know, in him as the Speaker of the House and remove him. That is now not easily doable, and they want to make it more easily do, doable to control him. And that'll be interesting because, you know, good. Like, just continue to blow yourselves up on the launch pad. You know, be Daffy Tuck swallowing the dynamite and blowing yourself up. Congratulations. Like, you didn't do that enough? You didn't do that enough last week? I mean, the results are astounding. The surgical strike nature of this on Trumps on Trumpers is unbelievable Jamie Herrera Butler, Congress Congressman from Washington State, right? She is one of the people who voted for impeachment. Trump targets her. Has her defeated in a primary by a guy named Joe Kent. This is a Trump plus 17 district. Joe Kent is too crazy for the district. That is a Republican rock-ribbed Republican district in you know in an ocean of blue. And it's, it's, and her it's, rival it's... his rival wins by by two points.
1: Yeah, this district is Washington went to um, nonpartisan primaries. So everybody runs on the same ballot in the primary. And Herrera Butler came in third place. So everybody's votes count all, all you know, all the way. So it was the Democrat, Joe Kent, the Republican and um, and Herrera Butler. So she's she's out. She's she's next by this. And then the the wacky Republican emerges as, you know, this unpalatable figure sort of throws into doubt the idea that this scheme which is designed supposedly to cool partisan passions actually does that it's really it's been chalked up as this panacea for all our primary primary election ills a lot of people who actually were very very keen on this idea and, and are smart and know, know how to how to reform primaries are very head up about this idea of nonpartisan primaries and it just doesn't seem like it's this cure all that people have made it out to be Absolutely.
0: And, you know, we, all, of course, also have the nonsense in California,
1: w- which is the jungle, these jungle primaries with the top two vote getters. I am, yeah, also when it comes to your point, just br- briefly, like yeah. the House margins in, in Georgia and Arizona, for example, the House candidates are outperforming Kerry Lake and Blake Masters outperforming Herschel Walker. It really is just voters zoomed in on the crazies and got them right out of our politics. Everywhere that Trump targeted a Republican for removal,
0: with the exception of Liz Cheney, from what we can tell, almost everywhere that he targeted a Republican who lost in a primary to another Republican, the Democrat has won. That is called, that is when you take a gun
2: and you shoot yourself in the kneecap. But there's also, you know, the Democrats are, are already showing signs that they're going to take the wrong message from the surgical strike election as well. You see it in like Elizabeth Warren wrote a crowing op ed in The New York Times over the weekend about how this just shows we should do even more, she said helping America's working families. And you can insert into their spend lots of taxpayer money on, you know, superfluous and useless uh, projects that the Democrats want to do. You see Biden suddenly emboldened like this is great. I'm running. And you see a lot of a lot of commentary on Pelosi, who was actually there was all kinds of chatter about her being gently pushed off onto the iceberg by by younger Democrats. She's like, I'm all in. So they are going to take the wrong message as well. They do not to Noah's point, which I think we always underestimate. People, once they get in power, do not want to remove their claws from the the root of power. They're showing signs that they might continue on this. And they're, you know, boasting about how inflation is now under control when it's just slightly stalled you know there we did have some good yeah. signs but it's a long haul to get our number back down to where american families really aren't feeling it in their grocery bills and their energy bills and their gas bills every every month so they're going to overreach because they feel emboldened now and they should they should have a sort of tempered confidence about the american people and they should stop with their crazy over-the-top democracy and pale peril, peril rhetoric but i'm not convinced that they're going to be able to do that well, well to some Kyle- extent uh, yeah. hey, sorry uh,
3: to uh, some uh, uh, extent who wouldn't overreach in their position? Because they've just they've just gotten the message that hey, we can overreach because the other side is so unpalatable that it point. doesn't matter. Yeah. We won't pay a price. That's
1: crazy. What is the difference between dodging a bullet and thinking you actually you know you're in the matrix that you're not holding hoarder?
0: Not <laughs> at all. It's that nothing is more exhilarating than being shot at without result. Like Abe is right. Like they they this at this moment, if not, no other moment. That Both the feeling of relief and the sense that everything that they were most terrified about, including the surrender of their own power, but more importantly, to the extent that they believed that, you know, the results of this election, particularly at the Secretary of State level, were going to be the end, uh, were going to lead to sort of, you know, this control of our elections by these lunatics and all of that. I mean, I just remember, I will say this in 2004, after that was a very hard, long, complicated election season. And when the dust settled and it went the way that I had wanted it to go, my feeling of relief was so astounding that I, I, I mean, it was like one of the more blissful weeks of my life. And you know who overread the results of that election? Just to follow Christine's example, George W. Bush. What did George W. Bush with 286 electoral votes do? He said, I'm going to revolutionize Social Security. Everybody come with me. Yay. He just ran this election saying we need to win in Iraq. And then he pivots on a domestic issue like Social Security, for which there is absolutely no national consensus on the need to do that. And at that moment, you one should have said, oh, my God, the second term is going to be the nightmare of nightmares. And it was it was pretty nightmare. So in that well, sense.
2: Well, but yeah, this, yeah, Biden's Biden's 80th birthday party on Friday, I predict, will now be a rager, a celebratory rager. It was going to be this quiet, you know, marked in private. I'm I'm joking. I mean, who knows? It still might be in private yeah, yeah. on this overseas trip. But I, I don't know. I, I think you're right, John. I think they're. While it's understandable as a matter of human nature why that would be the sh- that that would be the sort of mental shift the Democrats have, it's very dangerous politically for them. Right. I mean,
0: because of course they were driven by
2: desperation in the last two years. Their idea was, look, we have
0: we have we have two years to do this because Republicans will take control of this, you know. Probably we're gonna take control of the House and Senate in the midterm. So we have to cram everything in now, right? And then what happened happened. Would you then say, well, I guess you know, I guess we can kind of, kind of do what we can get done. Now they can't get anything done if Republicans end up controlling the House, so that none of this really matters in that sense. Like they will be, they will be restrained; their ambitions will be restrained by, by the divided government dynamic. But of course, as no, we are we're on a knife's edge here, and stuff could change. You know, particularly in California, and Democrats could take two hundred and nineteen seats or 218 seats. I mean, it probably isn't going to happen. You know, the people that I trust who are like, you know, the sort of the being, you know, the percentage counters and the vote, there's a vote out in Alameda County. So that's where you really know, uh, you know, like they're saying it's a very hard road for Democrats here on in the house, but you know, it was a hard road for Democrats to take control of the Senate and they managed that. And, um, So let let, let me pause for a minute and talk to you about our first advertiser, uh, Acton Unwind, Uh, because there's news and information constantly coming at us from all sides. With this barrage of information, it's difficult to stay up to speed with everything that's happening in the world whom can you trust to explain what's going on from a perspective that values both faith and freedom? That's where Acton Unwind comes in. Just as there's no other organization that brings you a perspective that values faith, liberty, and free enterprise like the Acton Institute, there's no other podcast that tackles the issues of the day in quite the same way as Acton Unwind. Every Monday, you'll hear from host Eric Cohn and experts from the Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty as they take you through the news of the week in a roundtable conversation, breaking down the issues and the stories that matter and demonstrating the compatibility of faith, liberty, and free economic activity in a way that's clear, concise, and entertaining. Whether it's about politics, religion, or culture, you'll get Acton's unique outlook on the world, connecting good intentions with sound economics as we promote a free and virtuous society characterized by individual liberty and sustained by religious principles. To subscribe to Acton Unwind, visit acton.org commentary or just search Acton Unwind on your favorite podcast app. Acton Unwind, an ongoing conversation on a free and virtuous society. That's acton.org slash commentary to subscribe to the Acton Unwind podcast. Um, looking forward, December 6th, primary uh, runoff election in Georgia. Uh, I've gone back and forth with people that I trust who are better at the better at these projections than I am, like our friend Chris Starwalt, who was on on Friday about whether or not Republicans will turn out for the for the runoff. So two interesting points about this: one, everyone, the only people who can vote in the runoff are people who voted on election day or in this election. So there, you can't like pull Trump voters who stayed home and get them, you know, find new voters like every you have to have voted in the midterm election to vote in the runoff. So the the positive for Herschel Walker, the Republican, is that uh, though he uh, ended up at, you know, 49 percent of the vote, the Republican candidate for governor, Brian Kemp, got 54 percent of the vote. And everyone who voted for Brian Kemp can vote in the Runoff, And so it, theoretically, if everybody who voted for Brian Kemp came out and voted in the runoff for Herschel Walker, Herschel Walker wins. On the other hand, you already had a chance to vote for Herschel Walker if you voted for Brian Kemp. Why are you going to vote for Herschel Walker this time, particularly if control of the Senate is no longer at issue? So my view is Walker's finished. Starwalt says, hold up, don't don't assume that like it's just still that the universe of Republican voters is still larger than the universe of Democratic voters. And Democrats also don't need uh, Georgia. I mean, it would be good to have it as a cushion. It would be good because in 2024 they're facing a bad map that favors Republicans, though, you know, they faced a bad map this year, too. And uh, that didn't matter.
3: Uh, where are also, you guys on this? Well, I, I think. Yeah. How about this? The national story that has now developed since the election that Trumpy candidates are losing the country for, for Republicans. What effect does that have on people who voted Republican but now say, eh, you know what, let's 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 not keep this going in the wrong direction.
2: And how much will Trump rally around Walker and do and, and exacerbate what what Abe is describing, this this tendency to to. For Republicans who might have held their nose and voted for the Republican, no matter what, even if it was a Trumpy person in Georgia, might now say, well, I don't need to show up for this. I did my part. I'm done. Right. I don't know. I, I This is a very,
0: you know, because what Trump does tomorrow is going to make a, a, a significant difference here. If he were, he's got animal cunning and there could be a part of him that says, I don't want to be associated with it. I don't want to risk being associated with this result. Uh, I'm going to stay know. out of it.
2: I don't know. He need, but but his ego requires the attention and the and the sense of being the the puppet master. Can we also just? I just want to throw out there that the story that the New York Times has, uh, I think, it's in today's paper or last night about Trump trying to sick the IRS on his enemies. Not we good. Not talk- good. Oh, people no, no, that no. needs to really be <laughs> front of mind, as they say.
0: We have to talk about this because just like the Mar-a-Lago raid is the you know like potential neutron bomb here. Because it does not deal with anything but Trump's personal behavior, right? And it's, it's what Republicans have long gay.
2: concerned about. Remember, yeah. remember when the Obama administration went after you know yeah. uh, nonprofits Nonpro-like that commentary. were concerned? Yes, exactly. Yes. This exactly. is this is right. something conservatives really should care more, care a lot right. about.
0: Right. But here's the thing: so
2: all of the other
0: Democratic efforts to get Trump were complex. Issues about what he might have might not have done in relation to Russia or, you know, Ukraine or whatever um, and and all of that. This is with Mar-a-Lago, it was the archives asked and asked and asked and negotiated and asked and did this and did that. And then they said this. And finally, after it was then clear that he was holding these classified documents and the FBI went and raided him or didn't raid him, okay, whatever it did, you know, served a warrant and then searched. Um, and the more that issue comes to light, the less easy, the, the harder it is for Republicans to defend Trump on the behavior at Mar-a-Lago, right? This story, which is in the New York Times, says that former White House Chief of Staff John Kelly, who was, of course, also head of Homeland Security an American hero, a great military leader, the longest serving chief of staff in the Trump administration, which isn't saying much. Kelly said Trump asked him to sick the IRS on a bunch of political enemies and that he refused. Then, when Kelly was out in 2019, Jim Comey and uh, Andrew McCabe, two leading figures at the FBI, not only were audited, but got a very particular kind of yes, yeah, colonoscopy audit. uh, That is, and you know, this now is getting us back to Nixonian behavior. And they had it only five thousand people among the three hundred and thirty million people in the United States get audited in this way to have two people in the same organization, at the relatively same level, because McCabe was one of uh, Comey's three leading deputies, get this same audit, is unbelievably suspicious, should be suspicious to everybody. And uh, the question is, who got, you know, who ordered the code red? If it happened, I can see the Senate Oversight Committee or whatever the Senate Committee is called, Calling Mick Mulvaney, uh, who succeeded, you know, who was the sort of acting chief of staff for, you know, however long it was, and saying, "Okay, did Trump tell you to tell the IRS to, you know, audit Comey and McCabe?" And what is Mulvaney going to say? Either Mulvaney says no flatly, or he takes the fifth because he can't claim executive privilege because this is a criminal matter. This is not policy. It's not this. It's not that. The question is, did the president ask you to do something illegal? I presume he will take the fifth, at which point it will become clear that Trump did it, even though you're not legally allowed to say that. Yeah. So, Noah, we have three different kinds of Republicans, right? We have have Trump at all costs in every way. We have maybe Trumpers, and then we have people who are now sort of turning on Trump. Does this affect how how can Republicans hear this, as Christine said, and say, I'm with the guy? The only way you can do it is pure nihilism to say, yeah, he did it. Everybody does it. They did it to us. We're doing it to them. Let's, let's not, you know, let's not, you know, like that, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. But it takes I mean, but nobody actually are very few articulate just a rank nihilist argument that we have to burn everything down. They most of them want a rationalization that they can, you know, get their arms around and sort of provides a post hoc justification that's just firm enough to rest your integrity on. And then we haven't gotten that yet, but we will. They'll figure out some sort of storyline that will justify this. And maybe it's, you know, they do it, too. And that's, you know, that's baked in. But maybe it's something else. But we haven't gotten it yet. Mike, I don't quite understand why Republicans care what the Trump-only vote thinks, says, or does. Call it roughly 30% of the Republican electorate, which, by the way, is is a smaller electorate. Over the course of the Trump years, the Republican Party shrank. So a lot of those people who are not – or Trump – skeptical to say nothing of won't ever vote for the guy, don't count as Republicans anymore. And they made the difference in quite a few of these elections, particularly the statewide elections. But the argument has always been that you you need us. If we don't if you don't have us, we lose. You lose. You don't want that, right? Nice party you have there. Well, we have ample indication that they lose with them. Maybe they lose without them, but that theory has not been tested. And perhaps it's time to test the theory. You know, all this just contributes again to this growing perception that this candidate, this political figure, who's not a candidate yet, but maybe he is, is just so baggage laden that you don't get a chance to talk about anything you want to do. You're constantly trying to articulate a logic, a rationale to justify whatever insane thing he just did. So maybe that back to the leadership elections, maybe that contributes a little bit to this sense of... uh, Boredom, maybe just ennui with the with the Trump phenomena, but at the very least, um, an idea that he's he's more trouble than he's worth. So perhaps that contributes to this to this growing sentiment. But I'm unconvinced, as I've been I wrote about all this last week, and I, I know Abe disagrees with me, but I see all the ingredients for a snapback to a much more comfort comforting pre-Trump status quo, at least among leaders in Congress and the political organizations that support the recreation of the Republican party, burn it down, build it up from the ground up. All these people don't want to move on and there's no alternative. We have this very sort of nebulous poll that's forming around Ron DeSantis, but it's also not just about Ron DeSantis. It's about all this effort to get Trump out of our politics too. And they're just as disorganized. They're just as they, they lack just as much of a governing agenda as as the Trump forces do. At least the Trump forces have a figure they can rally around and are doing it. We're seeing them coalesce around it. It's it's again a nebula right now, but it's much more firm than the alternative. And they have their shoes on.
3: And I don't know. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm, do I'm confused. I'm confused about what you're saying. Are you saying you said you're more sanguine that
1: there's a way for Republicans to move on, or you're less sanguine? I'm less sanguine. Republicans I'm less are sanguine. Okay. And and just again, the, the idea here that the press is going to get all excited about this IRS thing. And it, They should be. Everybody should be. Anybody who's concerned with good governance should be. But the Republican right that's aligned with Trump is not concerned with good governance. They don't like good governance. They frankly like to see their enemies punished. Right. right. Using the mechanism. Well, you're of right. But, I, but wait, I can I it, just. Yeah, go ahead. But, but
3: no, I don't. I think when you say that the other poll, meaning the, 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 the DeSantis side of things. They don't they don't have a, a governing agenda. I don't think they need one right now. I think they need they, what? what the, I think they have what they do need, which is to say um, we're competent and we're capable and we're smart and we're sane and we can win. That, that that is that is all they need right now.
2: Well, and there's a fine line. And I think DeSantis and and Glenn Youngkin are both trying to walk it. And so far, successfully, it's a difficult line to walk, because what you're not going to get is all the people who, who enthusiastically supported Trump in 2016 and maybe again in 2020 to say, you know what? He was terrible. He was he was the worst thing. I regret my vote. That's not going to happen. So I think on that, Noah's absolutely right. But the political coalition building can still include those people without requiring them to make a public confession of the error of their ways. I mean, has every Dukakis voter confessed publicly to their errors? No. I mean, we did. But but there is a there's a. The the kind of conservative intellectual world would like to punish some of those Trump people. Let's not pretend like that doesn't exist either on our side. And they shouldn't. It should be, look, OK, we tried that. That was a disaster. Let's find someone who gives ev- every part of this big tent that we're trying to rebuild a voice. And I think some of the candidates emerging emerging right now have the possibility for that. But I think the intellectual chattering class types on our own side need to cool it with the the sort of punishing rhetoric about Trump people. Like, I mean, we've been pretty critical of Trump, but I like to say of his voters, a lot of people do hold their nose and just Who vote is for the saying, guy. With the R anybody
1: who's head. saying that they have the the uh, the instruments, much less the the mandate to punish Trump forces, that does not exist. These people are as powerless as they always have been. Okay, but wait, but wait here. Let's go to the proxy Trump
0: issues as opposed to Trump himself. So one of the things that was clearly a gigantic motivator of democratic enthusiasm. And I think of Republican, the cratering of Republican enthusiasm in certain places was election denial. Now, election denial was a proxy for Trump, right? It was a proxy for, I still support Trump so much that I think that he won the election and it was stolen. And candidates all over the place found it necessary to figure out how to either say there were many concerns or they supported it or they didn't want to talk about it. The question is, I pose to you, Tuesday's result I think it is now safe for people to say we lost three successive elections and we need to move on. And that is a fever that can be a fever breaker, because while you don't want to say Trump was a bad president, he's a bad person, he's evil, he this, he's this, he's that, he's that, but it is, you know, he lost the election Basically, the party spent two years effectively supporting the idea that he lost the election, and it just got castrated and by they, the voters.
2: And the people who were saying that, the candidates who said that and then lost, conceded their elections for the most part.
0: That's, I mean, a, at, that's a secondarily important yeah. thing, but of course they didn't – we don't know if they would still say
1: I was wrong about it. <laughs>
0: Right. Okay, but that's an idea. So
1: so we're saying so you're saying that this this idea has the power that a personality does not because the Ron DeSantis is perhaps the preeminent pole here around which you can rally as an anti-Trump force. But he's not the only one. And there will be a competition to decide who that is. So right now, the anti-Trump forces don't have a personality to rally around. Trump does. So it's a contest of personalities versus this idea. This one big idea. Does the one do, do? big ideas win?
0: anymore no it's not even a big idea i'm saying the question is trump had a negative uh had a had a a negative polarity which is like say the things that i don't want to say and i will send not that i will send the death star to blow up your planet now the question is somebody goes stands up and says we lost three elections we gotta go in a different direction. Does the Death Star, you know, does the Death Star still have or don't the power even, to blow you up? Don't I don't even, know don't the even, answer.
2: Well, don't even acknowledge the losses. What DeSantis and others are doing is just winning and young. Like just win and no, govern. No, but you gotta say, like, look, the line. If Trump
0: declares, the line has got to be, it can't be him. Right. Right. He won and he had he pulled this stunt in 2016, and the last three election cycles have been the country. Vomiting up what it what happened in 2016,
2: but they have to acknowledge dramatically. Well, this is where I'm concerned for what our side tends to do to folks who want to thread this needle. Um, I'm worried that, you know, if someone like a DeSantis or Yunkin or any of the other guys who are thinking about, you know, throwing their hat or gals who are going to throw their hats in the ring, say they still have to acknowledge the totally legitimate concerns of many Trump voters. What got him elected in 2016 wasn't just that he was a, you know, a television personality. And, and actually, he got elected in spite of a lot of his personality, I think. But what he said spoke to people who felt unheard. And a lot of those people are still frustrated and still don't like either the conservative or the liberal elites. And they have a, a kind of set of grievances. And whether you agree with those or not... They have to have someone in the party who can say, you know what, I'm listening to you. I hear what you're saying and here's the response. And that's actually something that that I think any candidate wants to run should do. And when they do that, we're already seeing this with DeSantis, people who call themselves conservatives saying, oh, he's just like Trump. He's terrible. So they're trying to brand him with the with the Trump brand when he's actually speaking to legitimate concerns in his party's coalition that I think did go unheard for many, many years. Yeah, not I mean, not I, not I, populist I, even, but just like look, these you know these are people who would tend to vote Republican, and they haven't been, and they're kind of put off by some of the elite Republican language. And let's talk
1: to them. I mean, the amount of chaos we're about to experience. NBC News projects that the Republican Party will take the House of Representatives with a one seat majority, <laughs> two nineteen. The <laughs> amount of chaos we're about to experience. Somebody said is the Congress is going to be like the Knesset, where like just parties just change hands for a weekend. I, yeah, you can't even begin to game that out. Yeah. And again,
0: one, three, you know, two people have heart attacks and die. I mean, literally, let's say just randomly two Republicans, you know, drop dead. I mean, we're in the hat. Then, then you, we, we haven't had this. As far as I know, I don't know. Maybe it happened in the 19th century. The time of profound
1: political instability. Just yeah. injecting this... but I'm just
0: saying you understand that we could have a speaker yeah. change in the middle of a Congress that has never happened before I, I'm, excuse me not just a speaker change but a party change we've had it in the Senate it happened in, 2000, in 2001 when Jim jefford's went and caucused you know like pulled withdrew from the Republican Party caucused with the Democrats and handed control of the Senate to the Democrats in two thousand one um I It's never happened in my lifetime. I don't think it's ever happened. But the instability is powerlessness. So all I think we can say is it is highly unlikely that anything is going to get done in Washington over the next two years. Like it is highly unlikely in the absence of, you know, an event like the coronavirus or something like that, that you can get some kind of bipartisan agreement on anything at all whatsoever what if democrats nuke the filibuster uh that would be interesting since uh then they're gonna probably lose the senate in 2024 i mean honestly it would be very hard if they end up 50 51 49 um it's almost a gimme that it goes back to at least to 50 whatever it's easy
1: to envision the scenario you get a row bill on there Mm-hmm. they totally misread the the results of the election as they misread the results of the last right. election right okay i look
0: you're right it's going to be you know may you live in interesting times was the curse right so i have to say that since 20 i mean we are living in uh, an unbelievably interesting you know, political period, very unstable. What's interesting is maybe there's good news here, which is the last time we had a period of politics in America, this unstable was basically the last quarter century of the 19th century, the last 25 years of the 19th century. And while Washington was falling to pieces and being crazy, an entirely new American economy was being built sort of on the side. Now I don't really see that that's happening, but sometimes you miss this as it's happening. And maybe the whole thing is that the, the real ver- the real thing that is happening in america is not happening in politics maybe the real thing is we're we're just we're we're morphing into something else and politics has nothing to do with it and everybody is being distracted by all these but trump and bells and whistles and all this and that in fact we are moving into this new you know economic structure
2: well we turned politics into reality tv in 2016 yeah. if not before so that right. that would that would scan
0: yeah Um, Okay, so uh, let's take a break and hear from our next sponsor. Do you know only one in three Americans believes we can fully exercise our free speech rights? That's why FIRE is stepping up to protect freedom of expression for all Americans, no matter where you're from or what you believe. The Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, or FIRE, knows free speech makes free people FIRE. Will always be a principled, nonpartisan, nonprofit defender of your rights. Join the fight for free speech at www.thefire.org. Other crazy stuff. Can we talk about other crazy stuff over the weekend? Because there was so much of it. I gotta, I gotta look at our, our group chat to remind myself because I kept saying we need to talk about this and we need to talk about that, and we need to talk about the other thing. And um and then i can't remember what they all are cuz there were just too too many of them um uh all right does anybody rem- remember cuz i'm like i'm go- oh yeah so uh biden has just extended the covid emergency into oh, April this one 2023.
2: makes me so angry. I'm so angry. And even with a one vote majority, the Republicans have to do something about this in the House. This is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. It's a it's a blatant power grab. It's completely unnecessary. He's arguing on the one hand when it's suitable for him that the that COVID is over. And on the other hand, he's this, this massive overreach of federal government power long past the point is necessary should concern every American. There I've now I will step off my soapbox and see yeah, the you porch. get nothing.
1: <laughs> we all get nothing. We're we're condemned.
2: I mean, COVID reckoning is...
1: we all needed isn't yeah. coming. Right, might
2: have just yeah, been right. delayed. Might have been delayed.
1: No, I, I... no. <laughs> Who's going to be talking about this in twenty twenty four? I
0: don't know. It's the Republican
1: candidate for president. Hopefully, okay. You know my theory that twenty
0: sixteen was the election about the meltdown in two thousand eight. Right. Mm-hmm. That's this is my my great. You know, it wasn't talked about. It what, but. The inability to reckon with what happened, the fact that nobody really was, you know, punished. Let's say, or except for, you know, people who lost thirty five percent of their value. But like no, all of that, that 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 the political system sort of moved on and didn't reckon with two thousand eight, except for Dodd Frank, which uh, you know wasn't exactly a, um, you know a winner let's say or the stimulus which wasn't a winner and that Trump was the essentially the kind of guttural expression of what did you do to me what did you do to everybody all of that right 2024 could be the covid election it's just that it will come out in ways we don't understand because it won't be at top of mind but it will be the thrum the hum and the thrum throughout this and of course 2022 was a little bit of a cobalt, not what I thought it was going to be, but it was because, again, when you talk about people being disenchanted with Trump or not, or like, like disaffected with Trump and all of that, um, uh, they didn't like the way Trump behaved in 2020. It made them feel unsafe. I, I don't mean unsafe like, you know, Barry Weiss made the New York Times people feel unsafe, like people were frightened they were going to die and that there was going to be this terrible thing. And you had this lunatic at the podium talking crap every day and 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 driving people into an even greater state of uncertainty while supposedly thinking what he was doing was projecting strength when he was projecting the absolute opposite and i don't know like We'll see, but well,
2: uh, and you know who didn't? Uh, didn't but it's have not close... the
0: reckoning we wanted, right? It's not you know somebody ha- runs an oversight hearing that takes out you know that 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 forces people to answer questions about where the money went and all.
2: Well, and Democrats again, because because this election went their way in a way I think they didn't uh, uh, predict. The governors, the the uh, Jared Polis is the person I'm thinking of here in Colorado, Democrat. The Democrats who did really well, who didn't have squeaker races actually were more moderate on COVID policies. They were not the people who had, you know, permanent lockdowns and schools shuttered for a year and a half. So that, but that's a lesson that I I doubt Democrats. I mean, there were plenty of Democrats with the teachers union uh, heads campaigning in this last election, which is- really I wish amazing.
1: it was clearer because then you have Mike DeWine. Right. Who was a hardcore COVID hawk. Way yeah, more hardcore by than by I Yeah, or
0: something, right? Didn't yeah, running cartoons
1: 20? with his like health advisor who was an obnoxious figure and just like, we're gonna, it was like to set to the- the tune of Laverne and Shirley, we're going to mask you. Like it was really disgusting oh Yeah, Repulsive for somebody who has my, my view on the COVID mitigation uh, strategies and how necessary they were. So maybe the alternative is the message as, as sickening as it is to even contemplate. We well, have to talk about most.
0: Mike DeWine because Mike DeWine was uh, not a Trump favorite and he won by 20 or something like that. And uh, though JD Vance, you know, Won comfortably with exactly Trump's margin. He ran 10 points behind Mike DeWine. You know, everywhere you look, I don't mean to go back to the old topic. Everywhere you look, Trump people, Trump endorsed people or Trump friendly or all that were punished in one way or another by the electorate.
2: I think abortion also a... played a strong role for in in the Ohio race with DeWine. I think abortion was that the issue that which we right. haven't talked a lot about and that we are still kind of seeing the threads of. But that was a big issue in Ohio in particular. I think for him.
0: Anyway, uh, I mean, look, there's a lot of humility that has to be brought to this result. Like there are things that we thought were important and they were important regionally, but they weren't important nationally. Like crime was not important nationally. It was important in 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 New York state, which is which will be the reason that Republicans uh, attain the majority in the House, you know, four or five seats that they won that conventionally, you know, they probably would have either split or not won any of them. Um, but it, but, you know, the the exit polls show that it was not a national issue. We thought it was a national issue. So, you know, again, you got to like you got to take your wisdom where 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 you can find it. Um, abortion was a national issue because the because even though you know it wasn't that huge a national it's hard to tell from some of this but because it was decided on a national basis that there was no longer a constitutional right to abortion and that it was now going to be a state level issue and you then sort of like have a national response to something like that but you know there's a lot of humility and you know I think My sense of the last six days, five days or whatever, is people just don't know what. There's too many cross currents. You know, there was Uh, no wave, but it's not like there were again, there was the wave in Florida. There was a wave, you know, there was a counter wave here. Yeah,
3: this is about to change. I think a new chapter is going to open up tomorrow with Trump announcing. Um, And I think what's going to happen is. It's going to hasten his own ejection. um I, I I think I think it's going to settle some of the cross currents.
0: you know, well, look, it's going to
3: settle them either way.
0: Look, the UGov, there was the one poll that was taken the last week, Take it for what it's worth. UGov polled Republicans, and again, I said this last week that the minute that Trump uh is behind in the polls, the fever breaks, well, he's behind in a poll. It's one poll. But DeSantis, 41, Trump, 39. And I just want to remind people that since July of 2015, there has not been a poll of Republicans nationally in which Trump was not considered the, you know, did not lead in in a poll of who do you want to be president or, you know, do you like him as whatever. So – that's one result, could be an outlier, could be just in the immediate aftermath of the kind of shock of 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 the election not being a wave. Um, but I don't know if other people are going to poll. And, you know, like if four or five polls come out that show DeSantis ahead of Trump, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Like tr- th- this is a circumstance that Trump has not faced. You know he doesn't have a he doesn't have a game plan to fall back on. He was he was behind, and then he took the lead, and he never surrendered the lead from July 2015 onward. And he it, has not been in this position. But his game plan will Go be
3: ahead. what it what it is under any circumstance, which which will be bluster and denial. I mean that that's that's it, and it's uh-huh. it's gonna it's not gonna work. This is my prediction.
0: Right?
2: Can I can I the other story that we were we were uh, texting about over the weekend that we have to at least mention since I don't think it's ever gonna. Become the big thing it should in a lot of mainstream media is this the crypto story that the Democrats' single largest donor to all of their political uh, well, uh Second motivation. largest,
0: right? Was I it? I think second? he was the I think single Soros was one, and he was two. I,
3: I thought he... Yeah, I read second.
2: Oh, yeah. he's second. Okay. Although but I think,
3: yeah, go ahead. Whatever.
2: Anyway, you, you know that that he was basically a, a scam artist who Bank fled Bankman the country. Free. Yeah. Who who. The other thing is like part of the reason the question of why he gave so much to Democrats because he was trying to get favorable regulation for his you know grand scheme here I mean that again put the r next to the name of the of the party and change the situation a little bit and this would be a constant thread on all cable news all front page stories i mean obviously it's still a front page story but that his connection to the democratic party and the i, I my prediction that will just be quietly disappeared like whatever whatever kind of stories are going to come mm-hmm. out of that are not going to be the kind if he had been donating to the Republican. Republican party at those rates.
0: I think there's even a there's a there's a larger interesting sociological angle aside from Sam Bankman-Fried who clearly uh, you know it turns out that he was like it appears he was stealing money from his own fund. <laughs> Kitty there's, Crypto there's,
2: King, yes.
0: He uh, was like there was like a billion or 2 billion dollars yeah. missing that he yes. took out through a back door. Okay. So um he is the leading figure in a philosophical political american moral tendency known as effective altruism the idea is oh no no we don't want to we want to get rich to help people we're going to live in like a studio apartment with a futon make a billion dollars and then give it how do we do it effectively you know do, how do you do it? Because you're not just going to give it to another fundate. You want to get into the innards. But it's not about making money. It's about making money for the purpose of giving money away. And duh, blah, blah, blah. And he was like the biggest single figure in the world of effective altruism. And maybe let's wave goodbye to effective altruism. Which is just, as it turns out, an excuse for, you know, it's like as all the, as such you know, new re- fake religious doctrines are their purpose is to allow people to scam you and create cults and then take steal your money and take it away. And the crypto thing is bigger than Madoff, because as a friend of mine who was you know involved in finance said, "Look, when you were Madoff, when you if you were made off or or whatever, that was rich people giving somebody money that he then you know play, and what's more, they also made bank on it." for a long time before they lost all the principal crypto became something people were advertising crypto on the super bowl like and and ftx was advertising on super bowl and stuff like that there were ordinary people
1: well very i don't know yeah everybody who has a financial advisor has been at least i have had financial advisors saying you got to get into this game it's just it's a financial product
0: but the commercials on the super bowl are to get Somebody who makes sixty thousand dollars a year to think this is a safe investment, and
1: all of them have no idea wh- about the apocryphal Joe Kennedy quote. When Super Bowl ads are giving you tips, it's time to get out. Yeah, right. And look, all hedge fund actor. Everyone talks about the evil of hedge fund.
0: Hedge fund, right? The hedge fund exists as a as a as a financial play for very rich people. That's what it is, ex- and any hedge fund in- investor is aware that the investment that he makes in a hedge fund is some is money that he could lose and go away. And if you like have you know Matt Damon selling you crypto on the Super Bowl, you don't know that you are dealing with a highly unstable. And this is actually not to be anti-libertarian. This is actually why we have market regulation and why the market what markets aren't we accept that markets aren't perfect
2: but why he was trying to capture the regulators with his donations that's exactly what he was doing
0: exactly and that was that was that's been true of every you know every bubble
3: the joke here by the way is that crypto has something of a kind of populist fervor behind it the idea is like this this is what you get into when you don't want to when you don't want to be under the thumb of The actual establishment institutions. Yeah.
0: Uh, Anyway, it's a very big story. It's a very big, you know, because yes, uh, we have circumstances here in which we have the Democratic Party totally interwoven into this Silicon, you know, Silicon Valley is now the largest single, you know, investor in the Democratic Party, and you know that you have the youth vote that is all, you know, blah blah blah, and this is the way young people think about this, and they don't think about it in the same way that we do, and the extent to which. Uh, this is all, you know, uh, either delusional or a scam or a bubble or something like that. Uh, it's very important that there be some kind of reckoning. And it is an interesting question. Democrats love to regulate markets. So, you know, uh, Senator Markey of Massachusetts, like, said, Elon Musk, stop saying nasty things on Twitter or we're going to come after you we will control you and destroy you really that's you're going after Elon Musk who just basically personally bought a you know social media service that may bankrupt him and ruin him he didn't do anything to anybody except buy you know buy, buy out twitter um and you're silent about Sam Bankman-Fried, this is
2: how you're They'll blame capitalism if anything goes south, right? With crypto, it's like, it's the problem of capitalism. Capitalism is corrupt. It's like, no, actually, the way you're regulating particular industries might be corrupt because you're accepting donations from the people who run them.
0: (laughs) Right, okay. We have one more ad I got to read today, and I lost it. Where is it? Here it is. It's Bambi. When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations. I'm looking at three of my employees right now. And none of them do this. But what if they smell horrible? What if they, you know, behave badly to each other? What if they take, you know, they're like, they never come back after lunch, whatever, like getting complete, you know, you better talk to Bambi. Okay. Okay. With Bambi, you get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 a month, available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. HR managers can easily cost 80 dollars a year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month schedule your free conversation today to see how much bambi can take off your plate go to bambi.com right now and type in commentary magazine under podcast when you sign up it'll really help the show spelled b-a-m-b-e-e.com bambi.com type in commentary magazine okay so we have to go christine has to make a train christine's already left christine has left the building So uh, we can all get started with our day. I was going to do a whole thing, and then I realized I have nothing to say anyway. That hasn't stopped me before, but it will stop me now. So for Christine, on her way to the train, Noah and Abe, I'm John Putthor. keep the candle burning.